Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13. This is God's Word. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, first of all, I want us to consider the question, who do you say that I am? That was the question that Jesus asked those who were there that day. 
He was meeting with his disciples. This was not a question for the crowd. Jesus had an audience, and then he had people who walked with him. And it wasn't the same thing. And there are many people today who are part of the crowd, but they're not really disciples. And Jesus is going to talk to us in this passage about what it cost to be a disciple. Because it's not the crowd that's going to heaven. Jesus said there are multitudes of people, many who will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? In your name. And Jesus says, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So clearly, just being part of the crowd doesn't get it. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, who do they say that I am? What are the people saying? And so they float several theories that were out there. And then Jesus asks the critical question that all of us have to face. Who do you say that I am? We've talked about what other people believe. We can talk about what constitutes orthodoxy. But at some point, you have to move beyond saying, this is what everybody is supposed to believe, to answering the critical question, what do you believe? What do you believe about who Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Peter responded, and he wasn't Peter yet. He was Simon, Simon son of Jonah. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, son of the living God. Peter wasn't reciting what somebody else had said. He was declaring what nobody else had said. He was giving a rock-solid confession of the truth about who Jesus is. And Jesus responded to him, You are a very perceptive individual. I knew when I called you to follow me that you were more intelligent than the others. It's not what he said. He said, you are blessed because you did not gain this by personal information, but by revelation. You've been blessed. My Father has revealed this to you. The recognition of the truth about who Jesus is does not come through human intellect. Many other people saw the same things and didn't recognize what was going on. Jesus came in fulfillment of the scriptures, fulfilling messianic scripture after messianic promise over and over and over and over, and people just didn't get it. Wow, could that be him? Wow, you think maybe? Well, I, I hear he's from Nazareth, and uh, the Messiah is not supposed to be from Nazareth, I don't think. I thought he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Oh, wow, he was born in Bethlehem and then grew up in Nazareth. Huh. Well, I suppose then technically he could be, uh, you know, but I don't know. I mean, really, do you think in our day, do you think, I mean, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father's glory. He's what God looks like. And yet people didn't see it. And when Peter saw it, 
Jesus said, it's because the Father revealed it to you, Peter. You are listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference, and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit wvr.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you'll also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit wvr.org today. To step out of my comfort zone But I want you to see that who we believe Jesus is ultimately determines who we are. Because when Peter makes this declaration, Jesus not only says to him, the Father has revealed this to you, that's a blessing from my Father that you can see this. But he says to Simon, from now on, You are the rock. Jesus says something about Peter that describes him in a way that people who hung out with Peter might not uh, agree with. Because to describe Peter as totally steady and solid and unchanging is not really exactly based on his circumstances. Peter was so fluid, so capable of change. In this very passage, right after he has said what needed to be said, he's going to turn around and say something that is so horrible that Jesus is going to say to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. How is it? Did Jesus take it back and say, okay, never mind, you're not Peter. Let's go back to calling you Simon. No. Jesus declared Peter to be something that Peter had not yet grown into and lived up to. But what he believed about Jesus was going to change everything. It was going to change who he was. He'd mess up again. He'd mess up not just prior to Jesus' crucifixion, when he would deny Christ three times, but after his stellar preaching on the day of Pentecost, when God used him so powerfully, he would mess up again down the road, totally messing up, engaged in cowardice and hypocrisy and having to be rebuked to his face by the Apostle Paul. And yet, Jesus saw the finished product. And he went ahead and called it out, said what it is. Because what Peter believed about Jesus, which was given to him by grace from God the Father, what he believed about Jesus was going to absolutely, radically, comprehensively transform his life. And let me tell you something. If you really know who Jesus is, it will transform your life. It'll change you. One of the childhood friends of a couple of my sons decided after he went off to college that he wasn't sure he really believed in God. 
Not I have some questions about theology, but you know, I'm just not sure that, that it's real. And so he kind of became a former Christian. And my sons had to explain to him, you're not a former Christian, you never were a Christian. Once you know Jesus, you can't unknow Jesus. You can't decide, well, I'm not sure there's a God. You know there's a God. You absolutely know it. And that knowledge, which is a revelation from God, which is by grace, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Once you have that knowledge from God, you can't help but change. You will become something like Him. More and more from the inside out. Sometimes fits and starts, but you will be changed into His likeness. So let me tell you, if you think you've been a Christian for 42 years and you're still pretty much what you were when you thought you got started. It is very possible that you have not met the Lord. I am not suggesting to you that if you are a Christian who 42 years later still has to die daily to self, that you're not really saved. I'm saying that if you are a Christian, you want to die daily to self. You don't want to keep making the same mistakes. You don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over. You want Jesus to change you. You want to become like Him because you love Him. And if that's not the longing of your heart, then I pray that you will cry out to God for mercy and ask Him to save you because that's what's needed. So, who we believe Jesus is determines who we are. And please notice that Jesus says he's going to accomplish this. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, verse 17, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, I tell you, that you are Peter, that you are rock. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Death and hell cannot stop what I'm doing. Nothing, no power in the universe is capable of thwarting God's plan. He says in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He doesn't say, I'm going to put them within reach. He says, I'm handing this to you. I'm entrusting this to you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Does that sound like wishful thinking? Does that sound like a plan and we'll have to see if it works? Or does that sound like Jesus is telling us about what's coming and saying this is God's doing and it's going to happen? It's absolutely going to happen. You and I need to know that. Well, let me tell you, that brings us to our next point. The next point is the fact that whether we believe it or not, God will fulfill His Word. Whether we believe it or not, God isn't saying, oh, I, I have these wonderful plans, but I just can't get humankind to cooperate. And it's just so frustrating. I just don't know what to do. 
No, God had a plan from the beginning. He laid it out beginning in the early opening chapters of Genesis. And God carries that plan to its fullness. And we see it described in its consummation in the book of Revelation. And God promises again and again and demonstrates again and again that He will always do everything He has promised. And so when Jesus then begins having declared what's going to happen, verse 21, from that time on Jesus began to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. God says this is the plan from the start and it's going to involve the cross. Well, that was not emotionally appealing. I must die? What are you talking about? I can relate to Peter. Peter who says, surely, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's what it says. He began to rebuke Jesus. He said, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God Most High. Now stop talking negative. We can't have you talking like this, Jesus. You're going to kill morale. Nobody's going to want to go with you. You're talking about dying? That's ridiculous. I already told you, you're the Messiah. Come on. You're the Son of God. How could you possibly die? Could you relate? Has God ever shown you something in His Word and you say, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Have you ever felt that way? It's almost as if my thoughts are not his thoughts. And his ways are higher than my ways. Did you ever feel that way? That's what the Word says, isn't it? You and I have got to believe what he says because the fact of the matter is he's going to do what he says whether we believe it or not. We don't have to believe it so that God can do it. We have to believe it because it's true. And God will always do everything He says. All of His Word will be fulfilled. And now that's really good news. Because God says some absolutely marvelous, wonderful things in here that we want to know and believe and that totally change us as we believe them. But folks, they're true even when we don't. God will fulfill all of His promises, whether we believe it or not. And that is true of these other things, too. Look in verse 24 and following. Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Again, we're not talking here about the laws of probability. We're talking about the certainty of God's word. This applies to all of us. If anyone wants to come after me, this is what's involved. If anybody tries to save his life, I've got to preserve myself. You know, it's okay to believe in God, but look at John the Baptist. You don't want to lose your head. Did John get it right or not? You read the book of Revelation, you find out there are going to be a lot of people in the end times 
who are going to be literally losing their heads. They're going to be beheaded for the gospel. It's happening right now to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. We look at the fulfillment of what God said inevitably had to happen, and we say, that's just not right. I'm not saying it's just. I'm saying it is just exactly what God said was going to happen. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters, and we need to work against the ignorance and the evil that blinds so many people in this world. But let me tell you, don't think that if we just get another resolution passed at the UN, somehow we're going to bring peace to humanity. Wars come from within the human heart. The problem is evil, and there's never going to be peace on this planet until the Prince of Peace returns and sets up his throne and reigns. That's the only way. And so we need to realize that everything he says is true. And one of the things he tells us in this passage is that if anyone would come after me, he must, he must deny himself. See, my problem is not them, it's me. The person I have to say no to is the hardest person for me to say no to, me. I've got to deny myself and take up my cross and follow Him. And that means not counting my life so dear that I will not obey. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. It's guaranteed by God. God says, if you live your life for self-preservation, you will lose it. Jesus says so. So that's the fact. Well, but I, I think if I you know, take care of myself and my family, then I'll be in a better position to, uh, to serve God. Well, fine. If, if your goal is serving God, but... Be prepared for the possibility that God may call you and your family to lay down your lives in some sacrificial way that is not going to make sense to the world because what is needed is simply obedience. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That's the only way to be his disciple. What good will it be For a man, if he gains the whole world, and yet loses his soul. What really matters is your relationship with God. Are you walking in obedience to Him? Well, I'm going to work on that. That's uh, that's my plan down the road. But right now, I'm really focused more on getting... uh, I have this acquisition deal that's... uh, What could you possibly acquire that is in any tiny way comparable to your eternal destiny. Jesus tells us, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he promises that God will grant a return. We need to live with an eye toward his coming again. Our investment strategy, not just financially, but of our lives, needs to be in terms of what does God want me to do? And nothing is too dear 
to lay down for him. So, one last point. What does your life say in answer to the question, who do you believe that I am? What does your life say in response? Because God's going to do everything he said. Every word of his is true. Whether we believe it or not, it's all going to be exactly as he promised. So the question is, what does your life say in order to answer the question? Who do you say that I am? You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.